Welcome to Kindred, hosted by me, Kate, and my sister, Jen. In this podcast, we explore our human relationship to animals and nature. The abrupt human disconnect created by the pandemic, like for many of us, turned my world and business, Otis and Rude Dog Collars, upside down. But it also emphasized the critical need in myself and others to reconnect to animals and nature for our overall well-being. Join us every week as we interview scientists, conservationists, animal advocates, authors, and many others. In connecting to our world, we also connect to compassion, empathy, and understanding. How can we see ourselves as not separate from animals and nature, but as a part of an active ecosystem? Welcome to Kindred. Thanks for joining us today. How are you, sister? I'm pretty good. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's spring as can be around here. Oh, it's here. green as green. You and I were saying it, it's like, it feels like Ireland. It's it so really, green. Because it's so cool still. Yeah, it Even is. Even though it's, it's further in the year than it's usually this cool. It's Yeah, but it's nice because it's it just lovely. is lush mm-hmm. and verdant mm-hmm. and yeah, and the, the birds are just going nuts. Absolute like the chorus nuts. in the morning Every is incredible. Morning. It's so joyful. We were walking in the countryside the other day. It just was like a, a din of just birds everywhere. It's, it's super exciting to have spring in full effect. So today uh, we are interviewing an incredible marine biologist, uh, Dr. Wallace J. Nichols, who from here on out I will refer to as Jay. And um, just an incredible conversation about the effects that water have on us, our minds, our bodies. Um, But I'll introduce him in one second. First, I want to highlight a story that a lot of you have probably heard. But do you remember when Texas in the South got hit with that deep freeze yes um and poor texas and surrounding areas yes. my gosh well it also hit the ocean the coastline yeah. right so what happened was i think the temperature dove like plummeted and the sea turtles yeah basically got they call it sea turtle cold stun so i think they're pr- predominantly adolescent turtles yeah and um I think what was happening, they were washing ashore. Don't quote me on that. But these poor, like, I mean, thousands of sea turtles coming ashore. And so um, this was a couple of months ago. And they're still, they're now re-releasing a lot of them, but they're still rehabbing a lot of them. And some of them are going to be in care for a long time. Um, I feel like it's sort of like they got frostbite. So they normally stay in the water. And because it was so cold, they were coming out. I think they were coming ashore because they were like, stunned yeah they weren't they couldn't couldn't really. move yeah they're basically freezing to death basically. Yep. oh golly so um check out sea turtle conservancy on instagram and that's at conserve turtles they have a really cute video of releasing the turtles back into the ocean where there's just this, this long slide and they just are on the boat and they put the little turtle and he goes whoop, into the back into the water Very cute. um but there's also pictures of like in these massive, I don't know, like tanks. Basically. No, like huge rooms with heaters with turtles in baby pools, like three turtles per baby pool. And they're trying to feed them and keep them hydrated. And I mean, this has just been an epic 
undertaking for turtle conservation. So it's a big story. So check that out. And also there are links to donate. So, um, I mean, even literally like a dollar, a dollar, it doesn't matter. Like anything will help. Um, and sea turtles are truly, they're sentient beings. Mm -hmm. They're the sweetest things. I've seen them snorkeling in Bonaire a little distance, but you can just tell they're wise and gentle and sweet. And I, if I looked at a turtle, I'm pretty sure it would look right into my soul. Um, so check them out. Um, but yeah, so today we are talking to Jay, like I said, he was, he's a Marine biologist and turtle obsessed. He studies (laughs) sea turtles, water obsessed. He wrote a book called the blue mind. And when I first heard him interviewed with Rick Steves travel Mm -hmm. on uh, NPR, it was a moment where I, it was like an aha moment. I'm like, this is making sense. Cause he talks about how the effects of water on our minds and our bodies, um, an incredible book. So it's called blue mind, the surprising science that shows how being near in on or underwater can make you happier, healthier, more connected and better at what you do. <laughs> so that's his title. And the foreword was done by Celine Cousteau. Oh, yes. Who is the granddaughter of none other than Jacques Cousteau, Fabulous. who I grew up with watching on oh, the yeah. nature channel mm-hmm. on what probably PBS, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty amazing. Also, if you get onto Jay's website, it's wallacejnichols.org. And the J is just a, a J. Um, so Wallace jnichols.org you can get his book through his website and he he's got everything you need to know about him his work the book he's uh really connected through his website so check him out for sure um we loved this conversation totally loved it it just explained to me something i've known all my whole life but i didn't know there was science to back it up you know so you're you guys are gonna really love it it's just it's so many of these, I feel like I say this, but it just right. kind of blew my mind a little <laughs> totally. bit. Like, it's so cool to 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 learn this stuff that people study and it just proves what you already know. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, it does. It proves what, it gives words to the feelings. It yeah. gives words to my instincts, which mm-hmm. is very cool. And then he talks about a little turtle named Atalita. Atalita. <laughs> And that is the cutest story. That is really oh my gosh, again, I could cry. Yeah. Just little wee turtle swimming on her, on her journey. On her yeah. journey Thousands across the ocean. Miles. I know, yeah. I can't even. Yeah. So very sweet. You're going to love this interview. That's very sweet. And then, of course, he mentions his big brown Newfoundland yeah. named. I can't remember what his name was. I feel like it's not Snuffleupagus, but no, I don't remember really what cute. it is. Anyway, so cute. So, guys, enjoy this interview. And, um, We'll, we'll, we'll see you back here at the end of it and uh, email us and let us know what you think. We're excited for sure. See you soon. Jay, welcome to Kindred. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Yeah. 
so excited to have you here. We really appreciate your time. This is going to be such an interesting conversation. Um, so thank you so much for being with us. So when I first heard you talk about Blue Mind, it immediately answered a long-standing question of mine. Why do I love the ocean? Talk to us about your book, Blue Mind, and how you came to write it. Yeah, same, same thing for me. I, um, I have loved the ocean since water in general, but as a marine biologist, I tend to focus on the ocean I, as long as I can remember. You know, I was a water kid and water was very helpful therapeutically as a kid. I stuttered and was, was considered shy or, you know, an introvert. So when I was in the water, that was better. And, and as a result, I think I, it's probably why I pursued a career in marine biology to sort of stay in the water and get paid. <laughs> the driver of that just kind of stuck with me. And I, and I always kind of wondered, like, what, why, why does this feel good? Why does this feel better than over there on dry land. And uh, along, along the way in my career working with and for the ocean, um, I thought, wouldn't it be useful to know more about the science of this feeling? If this feeling is guiding my life and those that I work with and many, many, many other people who feel the same way, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I went looking for this book um, about your brain on water, the neuropsychology of this water connection, and I couldn't find it. <laughs> so uh, I tried to get some other people to write it so that I could read it and use it in my work, in my life. And I, I was not successful in doing that. And so um, one day I pitched the idea to the late, great uh, Dr. Oliver Sacks, who's uh, an intellectual giant in my in my world, he, in fact, in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he, he is a heck of a good writer, a big thinker, water lover, turns out, and understands behavior and, and the brain. That's his area of expertise. So pitched it to him. I thought, wow, you know, Oliver Sacks is going to write this book about water. I'm going to just help him any way I can, hand over my files. Mm -hmm. Then I get to read it. Maybe he'll mention me in the acknowledgments. This is going <laughs> to all like my vision board, right? <laughs> right. And uh, pitch it to him. And he goes, it's a fine idea. And this kind of accent of his, you do it. And I was like, that's not, that's not the way this is supposed to go. <laughs> uh, I'm supposed to help you do it. And then I'm going to read this thing. And so it was like, yeah, that's kind of how it came together. There was this, this feeling, this need, this idea, and, you know, kind of back to the idea of blue mind is it's not a new idea. It's a, actually, it's an ancient idea. It's as old as ideas can be. Yeah. The idea that water is good for our health, not just our physical health, not just hydration and hygiene, which of course are true, but our emotional health, our cognitive health, our social health, our creative health, our spiritual health. Um, I didn't learn, I learned about the hydration and the hygiene part, uh, you know, in school and health class. And I never learned anything about the rest of it. You know, we learned in biology class that the ecological importance, the ecological value and the economic value of water to society but we don't learn about the emotional value so anyhow that's kind of where where i got really deep yeah so to speak the puns are unavoidable by the way <laughs> <laughs> so then what what is then the relationship our minds and bodies have to water 
Yeah, it's was it's complex. It goes all the way back to pre-birth. Fundamentally, water is the basis of life. You don't get through a week without water. And if you do get through, you're really messed up. And your brain starts to go crap when you get dehydrated and you start feeling physical pain. And first thing to go is your, is your mental health. So that means knowing where you are relative to water, positioning yourself well relative to the it's just called feeling of beauty that the water screams to us, it sings to us, it shows us its beauty. We register that as beautiful for one reason, it keeps us alive to feel that way. So blue mind is that deep, it's a survival instinct. Now, of course, fast forward modern humans, I can walk literally four steps to my left or three steps to my right, turn a knob and water comes out. So I'm, I'm not feeling that water scarcity almost ever. Certainly there are humans on earth right now who do feel it. And there are many people working to resolve that. But in our, in our modern Western American lifestyles, we take that for granted. It doesn't mean the equipment that makes us feel this way about water isn't still there. And so this natural reaction to water is still part of who we are, started, still part of how we walk through the world. Um, and certainly that deep feeling that I refer to as blue mind is a complex set of feelings uh, has been used by marketers to sell everything from financial services to bad beer to pharmaceuticals uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. for real. Mm -hmm. um, the latest Corona ads with Snoop Dogg, you know, he's just chilling again, his blue mind on. Yeah. And it's not even about beer. It's about the feeling of being by, by the water. Absolutely. So fundamentally we have this, um, this, wa this water response and it's because we are from water. We are made of water. This is a water planet that we evolved on. And if we didn't have it, we'd dry out and die. Yeah. So then just to dig a little deeper into this too, what's happening in our, what part of our brain is being affected? What's the neuroscience behind that? Like when we're sitting there looking at the ocean or hearing water, what is, what's, what's being sort of ignited in our, in our, in our bodies when that happens? Yeah. So it's, it's a full nervous system response. So we tend to focus on the brain, but it really is your entire, it's your whole body that responds to water. So it's, it's your full nervous system, which innervates literally every, every part of your body. What happens when even the, the, the uh, intention to go sit by the water, even before we go to the beach or before we get in the bath, when we just start thinking about doing that, thinking about going for a surf, you, you start to move into this, this different state, this different mind state, which look, this is what it looks like. Your breathing starts to slow down. Your heart rate starts to slow down. Your skin temperature cools. Your blood pressure calms. Um, you, um, your thinking shifts from a very prefrontal cortex, front brain, a, attention, executive function mode, which is our normal red mind mode that we're in all day, all along. Like, gotta prep for the podcast, gotta, gotta commute, gotta 
do the to-do list. Got it. You got the kids, you got this, you got, I mean, that's, you know, we're on all the time. You shift out of that into this blue mind state, which just in simplicity, we'll say it's a more distributed, less like front brain, more multi brain part, um, more creative, calmer, um, more coherent, uh, more um, collaborative, uh, and more compassionate. So when you, you start switching into this place of increased awe and wonder, all the research shows that, that awe is a source for uh, compassion and pro-social behavior. So when you feel awe, it opens you up to um, outside of yourself, the, you know, the world around you. Um, some would say that, you know, a feeling of oneness or feeling of connectedness. And it's, it's such an interesting conversation because it toggles between language that sounds kind of hippy-dippy and uh, neurochemistry. And it's um, the language to describe these feelings does, you know, it does align with some of these ancient wisdom traditions that have tried to describe transcendence, you know, the, the feeling you get when you're completely in, in awe. So that's just, you know, before you even leave, you know, leave your chair, you start shifting into that. But when you get in the water, generally, or you're next to the water, the visual input is simplified. So there's not a lot of billboards um, floating around on the ocean. Generally, you leave your technology behind. Um, visually, auditorily, the sound, the soundscape by the water is simplified. It may be even regulated in sort of a, a rhythm, depending on the water that you're near. And all of that together, and, and this is even before we've jumped in the water, right. start to move you down that path of calmer, um, more synchronized. If you're with somebody, you kind of tend, you get into a rhythm with them. Mm. Um, and then you get in the water and now you get more bandwidth back because your brain is not coordinating your body's response to gravity. So all of that bandwidth, do all of that stuff, you know, or a lot of it at least comes back to you in this blue mind state. Um, and you get to do stuff with it. That's a little more creative. It's those, it, that's when you have the aha moment. And uh, it could be on a sailboat. It could be in your bathtub. It could be swimming laps. It could be walking along a river, mm -hmm. sitting by a fountain downtown. That's all, I mean, and this stuff is studied in a number of different ways. Um, so just to say that there's all this research <laughs> that goes to this little cartoon, blue mind, red mind, gray mind, this kind of a cartoon of massive amount of science. Yeah, I remember the first time the visual of the ocean really impacted me. I was probably 12 and I was babysitting for a family. We went down to the beach um, for a week and I had walked down to the beach at night and it was the first time I'd seen the, ref the, the moon and then the reflection of the moon on the ocean and it truly imprinted on me. I, I, I can be there literally I have the visual in my head now and just the the smell of the ocean, the sound of the ocean and the visual of the ocean was absolutely life-changing in, 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 a, in a subtle way. And yet it, it wasn't subtle at all. And I, I always remember that. And it's always something I look forward to. When can I go to the beach at nighttime? But how can we access our blue mind and experience these benefits of water if we don't live by or have access to an ocean or a lake or a river? 
Well, yeah, I would say the, the first thing to do is do an inventory of what you do have access to in terms of an ocean, a lake or a river or a creek or a pond. Like pull out the map and look for the blue stuff and just go, oh, what's that? Well, I didn't know that was there. So you inventory what your wild water options are. Then do the same thing for your domestic water. So in your home, um, is your bathtub a sad little dark place or is it <laughs> like ready for action? Right. You have... I hate a sad little dark bathtub. It's so depressing. <laughs> I want it to be ready for action. No, I do. I have a friend who she I was do. just like, I have to, be... she loves to bathe and she had to make her bathroom better because it was a sad little dark depressing place and yeah. it really ruined her life. Yeah. Yes, that is true. Yeah. You, you do want to, you know, get the candles, the thing that goes across the book, yeah, the exactly. glass of wine or tea. Yeah. Yeah. You get your, I mean, don't bring um, the big giant TV into yeah. the bathroom and watch, watch sad news. <laughs> that's that's sort of that's counterproductive. Not... Roll, yeah. roll in the cinema. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, set up your bathroom and just yeah, do that inventory for your, is there a, a, a pool in the neighborhood? Does a neighbor have a pool? Does the neighbor have a hot tub? Do you have one of those? Is it sad or is it happy? Um, <laughs> is there a public swimming pool? So all the domestic water. Yeah. That's available. So make that list. And some people during during this past year have um, uh, invested in, they've been thinking, oh, we need a hot tub or mm-hmm. we need to remodel this bathtub situation with something a little deeper or bigger. Yes. And have done that and have reaped the benefits, the mental health benefits uh, all year. So you've got the wild water, domestic water. Um, the third category would be the urban water. So are, are there waterways in your community that aren't wild, but are maybe like public fountains or urban waterfronts, like whether it's a, a you know, the t- your town. Maybe your town has a river that runs through it and it's the waterfront is improved. Well, make a list of those. And then the last category is virtual water. And that's all of the water in our lives that exists except in the absence of the water itself. Right. So the artwork, uh, the music that takes you there, um, Jimmy Buffett, Jack Johnson, whoever is the musician that sings about the ocean or the water or the uh, sailing. Yeah. Um, the uh, the photography, the documentaries, the films, you know, the sound making apps that you know, present river right. sounds to you. Any poetry, like if I didn't mention poetry already, poems about water will will kind of put you in into that blue mind state. So that, now you've got that list, and if you've gone through this exercise, and it really could take you five minutes to do it, or maybe you've been mentally tracking as we've been talking and you've done it. Uh, and you get to the end of, of, of it and you say, wow, I still have come up with nothing. You, you're, you'll be the first person that I've ever yeah. coached who <laughs> yes, has had that true. happen. Yeah, right, I'm, right. I'm, it's possible, but really unlikely. The urban water, I love that. When we lived in Chicago, um, the lake there is just so massive too. You get that incredible, you can get that, what I call the long view, which I think is so good for our brains too, is just to look off toward the horizon to have that you can get that in a city and so many cities have rivers coming through them for all the reasons right you know? or the fountains that the kids yes. can play in like i mean pop up right you know? i yeah. mean philadelphia has a yeah. be- couple beautiful fountains yeah. and art because what it sounds like you're saying is it shifts into a different part of our brain through the visual through the audio it triggers a different part of the brain and that can be accessible wherever you are mm-hmm. But that memory that you, that your beautiful 12 year old memory of that blue mind experience, 
as you told that story, you were there yeah. and I could feel it. I, and then you took us there. Yeah. And so we were all standing there with 12 year old you mm-hmm. on the beach at night, oh, that's so nice. feeling it. And so that's, that's what we're talking about. Do not underestimate the power of your own memories. Yeah. Um, the importance of your nostalgia. Absolutely. It's good stuff. It's, and, you know, and I think that's part of the, the message is make, make that nostalgia, like make sure you, you do stuff so that when you're maybe laid up on your back in, in recovering from an illness or something, you have those memories to go to. Now I have a, a question. If somebody, let's say if somebody has never actually been to the ocean, can they get that same experience by watching it or listening to it? Or do you have to have the experience to trigger the blue mind mm-hmm. state? I'm curious good about question. that. Yeah, really good question. So I would say it helps to have been in some kind of water to understand what it feels like to be in another kind of water. A lot of people have never don't know what you mean by that feeling of underwater. And so that, that just kind of fired me up. I was like, everybody needs to know what it feels like to submerge their body yeah. in the peacefulness of, of a healthy body of water of any kind. I think if you've never actually seen the ocean, even a really great film, like in on a seven story tall IMAX screen in surround sound or whatever the latest sound system is, right. um, just still doesn't come close. Uh, and I say that with all respect for my filmmaker friends. Yeah, right. The yeah. most beautiful photography and art and music depicting nature's grandeur doesn't come close to nature itself. And that's not to say don't do it, don't utilize it, don't enjoy it. But it is to say, don't don't just like put on your VR headset and think you're good. So it's a continuum. There, I, I try to be uh, ecumenical about water in all ways so that it's um, people don't feel bad about the water they have. That certainly goes against the mission. And I think too, what you were saying that if you haven't experienced the ocean, that's still through the visual of looking at something, it still does sort of trigger that part in your brain so you can have some of this, the benefits still, like you're saying, slows down your breathing, slows down your heart rate to take that pause, which is, uh, which is good news. I just want to switch gears a bit now and bring animals into our conversation. I know you love sea turtles. So I was wondering if we could just finish with you telling us your favorite story of being in the water and with these amazing animals. Yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time with animals in the water, including my Newfoundland, George, who is a water dog. Oh, George. <laughs> oh, I love George oh, already. Sleep oh. on the floor over here. A newfie named George who likes the water. Okay, yeah. magical. Uh, it was part Snuffleupagus, part elephant, elephant <laughs> feel. Oh. Uh, but um, I've studied sea turtles for a long time, and I special place in my heart for them. And there's this one turtle that I spent a lot of time with because she was in captivity in this relatively small tank, well taken care of. But we got her out, uh, released her with a satellite transmitter on her shelf. And her name was Adelita, named after uh, the, fisher, the fisherman's daughter, the fisherman who helped us with the project. His, his young daughter was named Adelita. And we released Adelita 
into the Pacific Ocean with the satellite transmitter and we tracked her for 368 days. This is back in 1996. Um, put her data online in real time, which was at the time um, frowned upon sharing sharing your music remember napster you remember yes share your music? <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, yeah <laughs> well we were like the napster of turtle data uh, <laughs> so uncool <laughs> you never heard of that but it's a, it was a thing you heard it here first and people said that's yeah that's a bad idea and i was like sharing turtle data online is a bad idea but people are going to steal my turtle data and then do what help save turtles mm -hmm. okay i'm okay with that. <laughs> exactly so we tracked this turtle. She swam 12,000 kilometers from Mexico, Baja, California, across the North Pacific, all the way home to Japan. And there was this kind of combines like, you know, I spent time in the water with this turtle and on the water with the turtle. And then I spent a whole year virtually like thinking about this turtle every day, looking at her data uh, and plotting it and posting it and sharing it and wondering and worrying as she made slowly made her way, you know, stroke by stroke across the big giant blue space on the map called the Pacific Ocean. So I, you know, I'd say I fell in love with this turtle more and more every day and shared that. And there was a lot of us by the end, by the time she got to Japan, who were uh, just sort of connected in this way that we didn't realize would happen. That's my turtle story. That's incredible. <laughs> she, the turtle Adelita taught us that animals cross the, can swim across the whole ocean. It was the first animal tracked swimming across a whole ocean of any kind, which made the world feel smaller kind of, but bigger. What an incredible story of this, this little turtle just making it all the way across the ocean. That's it's crazy. Just so it does feel like, oh, kind of pulls on the heartstrings it makes you feel like what a journey i've heard you talk a bit and other people talk about this too is that's a story that sort of helps you fall in love with nature and i think a lot of the work that you do helps us fall in love with nature and how we can you know why or and how are we connecting to water or turtles and caring about that and falling in love with that and then wanting to support and promote the health of it. Because um, when we love something, we want to take care of it um, and we want it to be healthy and happy. Yeah, and that doesn't, I think it's important, that, you know, in, in the sort of professional realm of working with animals and either helping individual animals or helping a species not go extinct, you, you're kind of taught like, leave the leave the emotional stuff out like you, you know through your professional training through the educational system through academia it's like you know just just the numbers please but here's the here's what it turns out and what i've seen this all the success stories have this one thing in common there's somebody or some group of people in there who are hopelessly in love with the animals or the place and you can't stop them because of that you can unfund them you can tell them it doesn't matter, you know, those turtles don't matter, those trees don't matter, but you can't stop them. And at the core of every success story is not cold. I mean, obviously cold rational thinking is useful. I'm not saying we don't need that science, we of course do, but it's not nearly enough. 
and we will never be able to fund uh, all of the things we need to do to protect the animals that need it. There's just ne not enough, never going to be the funding for that. I mean, maybe you can dream about it. So we need to fuel it some other way. And the other way that I've seen work, and the only other way I've seen work is is love. It's not fear. We just can't scare everybody into caring. Yeah, 100%. But like, that is exhausting. Those are we're a recipe for burnout. And um, so what are we left with? We, we can't pay for it all out of pocket, especially all, you know, all around the world. And work in Mexico a lot. And like, you're not just, you're not going to get the funding from the Mexican government to save all the turtles, let alone everything else. So you have to, um, and I'm not saying we don't need funding. Of course we do. And we don't need science. Of course we do. But there's this other thing yeah. that is the, the conversion factor, you know, that makes the difference. And it is what you identify as that it's love, right? And yeah, ironically, we're taught to not talk about love uh, as serious people. Right. Like you won't be respected or something. Yeah. I'm sure, Jay, you have seen, I'm not sure if you have, Kate, that octopus documentary. Yeah. That yeah. That's a great example of that. Just, mm -hmm. you know, I don't think I've really ever, I thought about octopuses a little bit in my life, but that was yeah. just so magical. And just that, that's the, and the, the other thing about love is that's what inspires people to get involved. Yes. is is and maybe give money yes. more than just the raw data mm -hmm. it doesn't it doesn't it's not enough to make people get off the couch and do something yeah if you don't have the love i feel like right yeah and then you know make sure you're, you have your facts right so when people fall in love and then they're like okay this love is carrying me but i want to know the answers to these sort of research questions like have the answers don't give them a bunch of bs because then all of a sudden now it gets complicated and weird and like, yeah. wait, you, you, you hooked me with the love, but now you're, you're, now I feel weird. Yeah. yeah now, and you tricked me into loving this animal, but wait, there's what? gotta be the yeah. science behind it. Right. Yeah. 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 Just, you know, back it up. That's we're not, we're not anti-science by any means. And you know what the science says is that the love is important. I mean, that's what the science says. Like it, increasingly. So, uh, it's, you know, I mean, it's intuitive and, you know, all of the ancient traditions are based in that. And then scientists are catching up and saying, oh, yeah, like feeling that does good. Matter. It's kind of yeah. good for thinking it does about matter. it. Yeah. Right. Well, and Jane Goodall talks about that, how she, for years and years and years, she was told you can't love this sub these subjects of, of the, the primates. Like you can't love, that's not part of, and it's just so absolutely wrong and backwards. Well, it's a, it's a really weird sort of message to say, okay, I've, I've attached my entire life and being to this work, let's just say sea turtles. And I live and breathe turtles. That's my job. I've, I've devoted my whole life to this work, but I'm not supposed to say that I really care. Yes, I care. In fact, I may even love that turtle Adelita. And I'm okay with that. I'm, not, I'm, I'm gonna still do good science that's peer reviewed someone like Jane Goodall just inspires you because it's, it's aligned inside herself. Well, I think there's just nothing more powerful than combining things of science and things of the heart. It's a very, it's, it's a, it's a kind of an unbreakable bond. And, you know, people like 
the work you're doing, Jay, and Jane Goodall and everybody else, there is a very clear love. I think that's where we're trying to hear those voices more and understand animals and nature so that we can all get a little bit more of that love combined with the, 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 the brain's part and gives us access to be more informed and then take take um, the right next action that we can. So thank you for all of your work. Thank you so much, Jay. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Really enjoyed, enjoyed chatting. Welcome to The Takeaway. So we are just super grateful and blown away by our conversation with Dr. Jay, marine biologist extraordinaire. Um, what an incredible conversation. I was really excited to chat with him. And it I keep saying this, it just answered so many questions. And you and I had been talking, obviously, about it since. Um, and about how Jay highlighted the fact that Blue Mind is not a new idea, but an ancient idea. And you and I have been chatting about that. And I actually literally wrote this down because it embodies so much to me. You had said that Jay gives immediate recognition to our experience. And it's what the sages have been talking about for centuries. Yeah. And I, your part, especially about immediate rec recognition to our experience, to me, it's what kindred is all about, literally. And the fact that you know, Jay offers that in his perspective through Blue Mind um, is incredible, but I love that you said that. Yeah, I definitely think that that um, that feeling, that recognition is like you've talked about before, just in different interviews and different um, conversations we've had since talking to different people during the season, that idea that we forget we've forgotten or become disconnected or um, lost that connection. And I think um, what I was thinking in terms of that from like my days studying yoga philosophy and stuff is that sometimes it's not even that we forget. It's just we've never remembered yet. Yeah, we've never remembered. And yes. the, the, the thing about this interview was when Jay put words to that feeling that I've had for my entire life, it was like that that feeling of that expansion of that's exactly what it is. And, yes. and it's so um, grounding to have a, um, a, a way to articulate it. Yeah. It changes you when yeah. you can actually, it's not just a feeling anymore. There's, there's a reason and mm -hmm. here's what it is. And yeah. it exactly, it's just, the, it, it is that spark of recognition. It's mm -hmm. like, yes, it's not yeah. even a, Oh, that's sort of interesting. It's not a, at all a thought experience. It's a, it's like an emotional response, but the fact that it's grounded in science is so well, to affirming. Me affirming and transformative. Yes, that's exactly what it is. It, I feel different yeah. now and I understand myself better now because yeah. of what Jay has dedicated his life to. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a, a resting in that, like that knowledge is incredibly re uh, relaxing yes. to know. It's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's just like, you can rest in that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really know how to explain that any different, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. And that experience is, is I think what becoming more and more connected to our humanity yeah. is. And yep. so that's, what's so cool is that with him writing this book about what water does to you has changed us forever. A hundred percent. 
and not that the experience is different. It's just now there's words to, there's a, there's a way, there's a context to hold it in. Yeah. I guess that's what it is. And there is a deepening. There is a there's deepening now a deepening. because once you have that connection, you can't undo it anymore. Exactly. So there is a, there is yeah. a deepening to that. Yeah. And it's a, it's like a place to, it's a grounding and, a, and it's like a place to sit with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which and, is, and this is what kind of our quest, I don't know, yeah. the journey of kindred is all about is getting people like Jay to tell us, like you were saying, what is born into us? What have we lost? Or like you're saying, actually, more importantly, I think, what have we never connected to? Right. I think that's we more accurate. Ever found. Yeah. So how can we re how can we access that innate knowledge? And I think it helps claim it helps us know ourselves not just as humans, then as but also as mammals. Yeah. So and that connects us to the ground we walk on, mm -hmm. we live above, we be live below um, in, in a completely new way, which also connects us, I think, and makes me feel like a wolf or a shark or the keystone species of the planet, which we are one of, um, that there is that they are family. They are, there is a brotherhood and a sisterhood right. there. And a We're thread in it that together. runs through it all. Yeah. That a thread it, that runs through it all. And right. like, and again, back, like back to like what the sages have been saying, we're, we're all the same. Yeah. It's all one. It's just, we get into trouble when we start to think we're not. Yeah. And so it's just a, a reminder and a, and a, and it's what I think we're trying to do in life yeah. is remember who we are actually supposed to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you to Jay for that, um, for giving us that conversation and that clarity and that connection. Yeah. Ronnie it was super grateful of, for his book. Yeah. And that, beautiful he, that he, despite his own best efforts to not write it, right. he wrote it anyway. So that's so really thank great. you to yeah. Dr. Sachs for, Dr. Saying, Sachs no. for saying no, <laughs> yeah. because now we had it how it was supposed to be written, exactly. actually. Yeah. So hope you guys enjoyed the interview as much as we did, I'm sure. Um, just another shout out to where you can find Jay. So you can find everything you need to know about Jay and Blue Mind on his website, which is wallacejnichols.org. Um, he's got links to the book. I think you can also get his book on Amazon. Um, so go check him out. And also don't forget to look on YouTube and find the story that he talked about, that sweet little turtle, yeah. Atalita that um we all of course were enamored with mm -hmm. so thanks again to jay and we'll see you guys next week lots of love take care kindred is hosted by me and my sister jen produced by kat gaddy and myself sound production and editing by dan cooper original music by ellie grace and our kindred artwork was created by lindsey coffin Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And feel free to contact us through our website, kindredpodcast.co, where you can also find all our links to our socials and Patreon page. Mm -hmm.